verse by verse. Wednesday night in the book of James, encourage you to read ahead in chapter 2 today. As we finish this chapter, Revelation 6, pick it up in verse 9. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each one of them, and it was said of them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And then I looked and opened up the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. And then the sky receded with a scroll and it was rolled up, and every mountain and every island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And said of the rocks and the mountains, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. Notice, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For great is the day of his wrath, which is to come. Who is able to stand? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mighty word. And we thank you, Lord, that you bless us when we gather together as your bride. Lord, to lift each other, to encourage one another. Lord, thank you for your free gift. Thank you for allowing us, Lord, to speak the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, bless those serving around the building. And we ask, Lord, that now our hearts would be knitted towards yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start out in verse 1. Let's get a running start, shall we? To find out why we are at seal 5. <laughs> if you weren't with us last week, pick up that message. And so I saw, verse 1, the Lamb opened up the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. And so we talked about how this was the Antichrist who had come forth and now set forth a peace treaty between an Arab-Islamic federation and the Jewish people. Well, what follows that? Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that the people should kill one another, and it was given to them a great sword. And when he opened up the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a measure of wheat for a denarii, a day's wage, and three quarts of barley for a denarii. Now do not harm the oil and the wine. And he opened up the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the four living creatures saying, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed him. 
And power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger, with death and the beast of the earth. And then I opened up the fifth seal. That's where we are today. So as we've been going through the book of Revelation, we've, we've made it clear that uh, at this point, when we saw from last week, again, if you weren't here, pick it up. It'll help you understand where we are in our timeline. But the church has been raptured out of the way. We don't have to worry about what we see in chapter 6. Amen? And, and you need to hear this over and over and over from chapter 4 on. The church is not in this period of time known as Jacob's trouble. In fact, right now we're going to take a pause and I want to show you why we have the tribulation. What is it for? I had a lot of questions last week on the what for. What is this for? What is God doing with this tribulation period? Now that the, the church, his bride, is out, what is this for? So, Mark Hitchcock wrote a book, and it's wonderful. We don't have it in the bookstore, but you can find it online. It's called The End, A Complete Overview of Biblical Prophecy and the End Days. And Mark Hitchcock does a wonderful uh, job of laying out different prophecies all through that. But he lays out for us today these five reasons, and they're biblical, and we're going to look at them quickly, and then we'll get back into our series of events with these seals but what is, the, what is the tribulation for? What is God doing and the why of it? And who is it being poured upon? Amen? So if, if I go too fast for you, uh, you, can, you can come after and get these notes as well. So number one is to prepare Israel. Now, for the most part, I would say this is the main reason why God is is doing what he is doing in this seven-year period of time. In Daniel 9, it goes through why God and, and, and how he is dealing with the nation of Israel. And this is primarily the reason for the tribulation. Remember, the Jews said, let him, that's Jesus, his blood be upon us and upon our children, descendants. And so at that moment, the nation of Israel, for the most part, not everybody, not every Jew, the, uh, of course, the, the Christian church was primarily Jewish in its origins and its start. But at some point, they had rejected Jesus and his message. So God took Israel and he put them on the shelf. Now, please don't think like is in the church today that God replaced Israel and the promises with the church these are two separate people, amen? This is the apple of God's eye spoken of in the Old Testament. Paul the Apostle in Romans 11 goes into great detail. He says, has God stopped dealing with Israel? He says, absolutely not. But he is dealing with his bride. He's dealing with the Gentiles. You see, God has given the Jewish people a long time before the church was established, yes? And they rejected that message. And now that the bride of Christ is out of the way, the church is removed. God is going to redeal with the nation of Israel, his chosen people. And again, I have no problem with God choosing the Jews. <laughs> uh, uh, Reptevia, you know who that is, Fiddler on the Roof. He, he says, God, um, we're thankful that you chose us, but could you choose another people once in a while? The Jews kind of feel like that, right? 
But they are God's chosen people. That's why as, a, as Calvary Chapel Myrtle Beach, we believe that God says, I will bless those who bless you, speaking of the nation of Israel. I will curse those who curse you. We have an Israeli flag as you come in because we stand behind the Jews. We haven't posted it, but there, is a, uh, there was a fireside chat done with Dennis Prager, and who is Jewish. He was sp- speaking with um, Pastor Rob from Calvary Chapel. It was a little bit lengthy, about 48, 49 minutes. It's wonderful. We're going to repost it. And he, he was saying something that I, that I think that, you know, when someone says something, you're like, yeah, but why aren't you getting what you're getting? Anyone? You're like, you're saying something profound, but you're not getting what you're actually saying. And he was saying, as a Jewish man, Jews go around thinking to yourself, would this Gentile protect me if we were in another Holocaust situation? And I thought it was fascinating. And you know what he said? We would go to you Christians first. Now, obviously, the ones that are pro-Israel, not against Israel. He, would say, he said, I would go to you Christians because you prove that you trust God and you believe his word. <laughs> and I'm thinking, just go to the next page. From Malachi into Matthew, Dennis, he's, there, it's, he's getting there. And God is softening the heart of those not only in America as Jews, but in Israel. And God's hand is always protecting the nation of Israel, and he allows certain things to happen. You see, God is preparing Israel a purpose for them. God will put Israel in a vice grip for seven years. He will allow them to come to a place of submission, come to a place where they cry out to Jesus. Again, God's purpose for Israel in the tribulation is to bring about the conversion of the multitude of Jews who will enter into the blessing of the kingdom and experience the fulfillment of Israel's covenant. God will redeal with them and he will pour out his spirit. Next week, we're going to see 144,000 Jews that are sealed by God, these Jews, and they will go out proclaiming Jesus Christ, not only to their brethren, but to around the world. Number two, reason for the tribulation, to punish sinners, or for our purposes, the Gentile nations. God will use the tribulation to punish the godless Gentile nations and all the unbelievers, not only for their sin, but for the rejection of Jesus. We call it the Christ-rejecting world. This is a period of time in which God is judging the Christ-rejecting world. Not only that, but receiving the anti-type of Jesus, the anti-Christ. Again, the world will receive this divine visitation because of the world's rejection of Jesus Christ and his salvation message. For the most part, the world knows about Jesus. Don't send me letters about the pygmies. And this group over there, eh, God, Romans deals with that. Paul talks about that. That's not for the debate. But for the most part, this world knows who Jesus is. And for the last 2,000 years, people have been using his name as a cuss word. Do they, again, we say this, do they use Buddha as a cuss word? No. Why is that? Because deep down, people know the truth. And they are suppressing the truth. 
And during this time, God is dealing with those who have suppressed the truth for so long and have rejected. God says, my spirit will not always strive with men. And so during this time, God will use the painful trials and what we're going to see today, the calamities, not only in outer space, but inner space coming in. And people, at the end of this chapter, we see even the hardness of their heart. They know who the wrath is coming from, and they do not repent. So for 2,000 years, God has given the Gentiles a break and and an opportunity to accept him. And so during this time, God will pour out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. Number three, to prove God's power. Now, God doesn't need to prove his power, amen? But he does it from time to time. He did it when the Israelis were in Egypt. Remember Pharaoh and Moses. And God showed his power during those plagues, did he not? By the way, some of those plagues he used on Egypt will be some of the plagues that we will see and uh, uh, trials during the tribulation period. Again, what did Pharaoh say? He said, who is the Lord and why should I listen to him and let Israel go? Remember, man is going to get what he has always wanted. It is a world without God. Listen, it will be dominated by anything and everything that man could could conjure up in his evil heart and mind. He'll have everything he wants. But at the end of the day, God is still on the throne. And he is still in control. And when they think that they're in control, he is about to unleash holy hell. Now, in these seals, remember, we are just in the first three and a half year period. Wait till we get to the second three and a half year period. This is going to seem like a daisy. It's going to seem like nothing compared to what's coming on. Many of the tribulation judgments described in Revelation, again, are similar to the ten plagues, and you can go and take a look at them. But God will show his power through this time. Number four, to portray Satan's true character. Listen, for 6,000 years, the world knows about this guy. And now his true nature will come out. And his true nature is not only one of deception, but of lies, but of death and destruction. That's what Jesus said. The enemy only comes to steal and destroy. He is not for anybody. He is for himself. And so God uses the tribulation to fully unmask Satan for what he is. Again, a liar, a thief, and a murderer. God removes all restraints. Think about this. God removes all restraints from Satan. Today, Satan can't do whatever he wants. Isn't that good news? He can't do whatever he wants. When we get to Job, we're going to find out that to be true. But imagine what will happen when God says, okay, By the way, we're going to see this scene in heaven. He's kicked out of heaven, and he knows that he only has a little time left, and and Satan pours out all of his power that he has upon this world. By the way, before I go any further, 
Satan is not equal with God. Can we just uh, make sure that everybody knows that in the room? If you don't know that, you do know that now, and you are held accountable for that. Amen? Amen. Satan is created. He is not on an equal footing with God. And we will see that at the end of the book of Revelation. We're going to say, that's the guy? That was the one that was tempting us and trying us, testing the world? That was the guy. Remember, he is a created being. Number five, and I'm just so thankful that it is there, and people during the tribulation will also be thankful. God will also provide salvation for those who want it. The Lord will graciously use the tribulation to drive men and women to himself and to repent and trust in him. What we are about to see if it doesn't drive the average Joe Q citizen on planet Earth to Jesus, I don't know what will. When you see meteors, when you see the sun that you all, and this is what we're going to see, is not an eclipse. Because that's easily, oh, look, there's the moon, ding, black. But you still see the corona around it, don't you? It was wonderful to see that eclipse here a few years ago in South Carolina. Well, Highlight them a bucket list. It's beautiful, awesome, right? By the way, wasn't it weird how cold it got just for those quick seconds? And it was weird, but it was still a little daylight out. Now imagine what it's like when it's completely black all around the earth at the same time. Oh, we'll get to there in a minute. But God is going to provide salvation to those. Listen. There are two angels flying around the planet. We'll get to them a little bit later. They are pronouncing the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about that? Don't worry about an app or the internet. You got it up there. You're going to hear it. Not us, them. And through these events, like God does, God uses worldwide calamity to drive people to a place where they say, okay, I'm just a small little human being. I'm um, this dot in the universe, and there is something greater than I am. That is God, and I'm going to give my life to him. Now, we are going to see that they will have to lay down their life for, for God. But God is giving them uh, an opportunity. Again, while the tribulation will be a time of unparalleled turmoil and may be difficult for for lots of people to understand God will use it and accomplish it for his purposes, for his sovereign grace upon a world that I would, uh, uh, I would say doesn't deserve God giving anybody a second chance. But he does, and he will allow these people to come into the kingdom. That's where we pick it up in verse 9. <laughs> Everybody clear on why the tribulation is why the tribulation and what is it for amen if someone ever asks you that just say primarily it's for God to redeal with the nation of Israel that's what Matthew 24 is all about that section of Matthew is written to Jews it's not written to the church it's written to the Jews who will read it like a, a the the daily news when they're here so when he opened up the fifth seal I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So, 
How far in the tribulation are we? I have no idea. All I know is that we started out with the Antichrist setting up a seven-year peace treaty, and the last seals that we've been seeing probably are over a three-and-a-half-year period. When we get to the, the three-and-a-half-year period, we'll know exactly when that period is in Revelation because Antichrist will come into the newly rebuilt Jewish temple, and he will call himself God. So these events in this chapter are transpiring over the first three-and-a-half-year period. Once we get into the bowl judgments and the trumpet judgments, those will happen in the last three-and-a-half years. So it would seem at some point, and we'll get to that in Revelation 13 when the mark of the beast comes out. And by the way, let me just say this for everybody again. I got, I got some questions again. Stop. Uh, uh, number one, knock it off. I just need to say that right away. Just knock it off. Stop thinking that whatever is out today is the mark of the beast. It's not. Number two, if you're a believer in Christ, you won't be here, i.e., it doesn't matter. Amen? I was talking to someone the other day. What if they came out to us and they said, "Here's we got this thing. You put this and we know this is coming because it's a bioluminescent tattoo that they're working on. It used to be the chip. Anybody remember the chip? And if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know uh, a company called Digital Angel that used to uh, do this. We inserted it into some of our soldiers so we could track them real time on satellite. We knew where they were. We could get their bio uh, information. We could track them. Uh, uh, if you've got a cat or a dog, they've got a chip inside of them. Amen? They're trackable. And when you go to the vet, they scan their tail or whatever, and this weirdo number comes up. Okay, but if they were to come out tomorrow and they say, here's the deal. You don't need a wallet. You, all your medical information will be right here. Even if you took that, it's still not the mark of the beast. Okay? This is my uh as a pastor. Because I hear this all the time from Christians. Well, what about this? What about that? Yes, it's going to be a, a precursor of what's to come. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you will hear the trumpet blow. The mark of the beast when we get to it is an allegiance to this weirdo antichrist and his system. It is not. People thought the credit card was the Antichrist. They thought the barcode was the Antichrist. They thought Joe... Bo oh, sorry. Whoa. You thought I was going somewhere. Just playing. Can we all... Let's all shake our heads. Yes, Pastor, we understand that as a believer, nothing what we get now will be... Got it? That is what's coming. Now, I say all of that to say this. When this starts being rolled out, I actually think that the first round of this is going to be voluntary. And it will be voluntary in the very beginning. Antichrist will roll this out immediately. It's kind of like the vaccines right now. They're rolling it out, but it may be mandatory at some point. And then you're going to have to choose whether or not that's for you or not. But uh, this is America. We're supposed to have a choice. 
Now, at some point, it will not be man. It will not be voluntary. It will become mandatory and forced upon those who are living in this time of the tribulation. And the Christians will not take that. Therefore, they will be put to death. That's what we are reading here. That's this group. These are the believers who lose their life when we're gone. But it's weird because their soul is in heaven and yet they're crying out to God. And this whole scene is kind of weird, isn't it? But they don't have their resurrected bodies yet. So it's just their soul. Remember what Paul said. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. By the way, this destroys soul sleep. It's a bad doctrine that's been in the church for a while. When you die, you just go to sleep, and then eventually at the end you'll wake up. No, these people don't seem asleep, do they? Seems pretty much alive. And notice that they are under the altar, the altar from the Old Testament, as a reference of pouring the sacrificial blood upon that, which means their blood had to be sacrificed in order to enter into heaven. You and I don't have to do that today. Isn't that good news? You don't have to die for Jesus. Plenty of people do, but you don't have to to get into the kingdom of heaven, but they will. Let's keep going. And so, verse 10, boy, we're going quick. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who are the earth dwellers. Remember when we started this whole section, we talked about the earth dwellers. So they are crying out to the Lord, Lord, what are you going to take care of all this? And listen, God is going to take care of it. He's going to, in a minute, he's going to start pouring out his judgment. And then a white robe was given to each of them. Now, this is where I can't help you. I'm trying, but how does a soul wear a robe? I don't know, but it's happening. It could be that that is symbolic, that they're clothed in the righteousness of God because that's what white signifies and the white robe does. (laughs) All right, let's move on because you'll just sit there and you go, I don't get it, neither do I. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So until the number is completed, that would be uh, probably sometime in the latter half of that three and a half year period at the end. And then, then I looked, verse 12, and he opened up a sixth seal. And behold, there was a great earthquake, excuse me, And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs, and it is shaken by the wind. And then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and every island was moved out of its place. So when I looked, verse 12, I saw the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Now it seems that we have gone away from man doing the damage. Remember, Antichrist comes on the scene, false peace. Immediately after that false peace, world war breaks out. Yes? Man's heart is always evil. Man always goes after other men to conquer and to dominate. 
That's why I crack up at the, well, I crack up and I grieve about racism in our country and how they claim that it's been going on since the beginning. It is nothing new. And as a believer, remember, we talked about this a while ago, we cannot be racist because there is only one race, there is only one blood, and a believer cannot be. That's why a believer can't be anti-Semitic, because our boss is Jewish. Thank you, you've been paying attention. <laughs> so this does seem to indicate the beginning of the, the sixth seal starts with God under God now inserts himself into humanity and into this situation, and he is, uh, he is divinely intervening into human affairs. Again, the judgments of war, famine, and death, and the martyrdom of the saints were largely originated in the human condition and the idea of evil that they had in their hearts. Because remember, the Holy Spirit was removed from planet his restraining force against evil. The judgment here, and, and we'll see a lot more coming, is that these judgments now originate from God. How do I know that? Because of the response of the people who are living on planet Earth. Everybody got that? So remember in context, when we don't understand where this verse lines up, let's read some more before and after. Amen? And sometimes you might have to read a chapter before and after to get an idea of where you are. So it would seem that God now is the one who is pouring this judgment out. And what is he doing? Well, number one, there is a great earthquake. And what is a great earthquake? It's pretty great. The whole earth is going to shake. Other portions of the Bible talk about how the planet goes to and fro like a drunken man. There are people in cubicles somewhere in our country who all they do is figure out stuff and crunch numbers, and then they figured out if enough nuclear weapons <clears throat> were detonated, that it would cause the earth to wobble. That's amazing to me. Could that be part of it? Could be. What else would cause the earth to wobble like that? Well, not only a great earthquake, but a celestial body coming into uh, close proximity could do that as well. There's a lot of things we don't know. And remember, is the church here? No. So don't worry about what we're about to read. Have a smile on your face and go, I'm not here. This is great. Keep reading about destruction. <laughs> and mourn for those who will be here. But you won't remember and you won't know what's going on here. And that's just really good news. So a great earthquake. This earthquake is not only going to shake Israel, but it's going to shake the entire world. And if you've never been through an earthquake, I'm from California. That's normal. Right before we moved, we had an earthquake in Napa, 5.5, and it threw us out of bed, and it was a small one. Imagine what will happen when something like uh, that earthquake that happened on, I think it was Christmas Eve years ago, by the way, that earthquake that was like an, I think it was a nine something, it's, it slowed the planet down in its rotation. Now, barely that you and I would not notice, but those who sit in cubicles, 
they know it, and they figured it out, and they did the math to like the millionth point out there, and they're like, yep, it slowed it down. Now, I find that interesting. So imagine if multiple earthquakes are going around or one giant earthquake that's going around the planet and that the earth is starting to actually do things that it doesn't do, like it moves its tilt. Because we're going to see later on a scorching heat that's going to come. What happens if the earth tilts to a place now that it literally scorches one half of the earth because of these great earthquakes? Whatever it is, it is going to change the landscape of planet Earth. Now listen, you and I are gone. We're gone for seven years. We're having the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's so wonderful, I can't wait. But we are coming back with Jesus to rule and reign. I'm going to tell you what's going to be interesting. Once we are riding on that horse, you guys get your horse training in. No one fall off. And as we come back, and Jesus puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, right? And there's, it, it splits in half, and this stream, this river goes out. We'll get to this. It goes down to the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea no longer becomes the Dead Sea. People start fishing there. But you and I are going to rule and reign with him. Listen, we will not recognize the planet when we come back. It will look totally different. Be like, man, I didn't know Hawaii was off our coast. We're about to read these things. Mountains fleeing islands moving away it won't look like what we know so don't try to find your house it'll probably be gone and I don't even want to get into your cat or dog at this point you're like tear (laughs) so what we know now a planet earth is going to be completely different when we get back and so Let's take a look at it. There's not only a great earthquake, but the sun becomes black as sackcloth of hair. It goes dark. How is that possible? I got no idea. Isn't that amazing? That, let let me give you a point. Remember when the disciples were on the temple mount with Jesus? And they're sitting there and they're like, Jesus, look how great the temple is. And their, their focus was on the temple because to a Jew, the temple was everything, wasn't it? And all they could see was this great structure, the temple. And they were marveling at this wonderful structure. And Jesus goes, oh, guys, that thing's going to be leveled. In 70 70 AD, it's going to be completely gone. Not one stone will be left upon another. What did that do to those disciples? What God was telling them is you're trusting in something, in a building, but you need to trust in me. People trust in things they can see, yes? I mean, I I don't want to get too, like, out of bounds here, but what if we woke up tomorrow and the sun wasn't there? Wouldn't that shake anybody? Wouldn't you be like, if I'm not saved, super saved, I need to be super duper saved right now. I mean, wouldn't that do something to you? Wouldn't a giant earthquake and then all of a sudden you're, you're at the beach and the sun, there is no sun? How long is it? It doesn't say. It doesn't say how long it lasts. How, do, how long did it last in Egypt? Three days? And it said that the, the darkness of that time, the people who were living during that time, they felt the pain of darkness. Mankind needs light, doesn't it? I mean, 
you weirdos who are in your, your caves, your, you know, no light and everything. That's just, human beings need vitamin D. And not from a pill, but from our sun. There's nothing, uh, we were out on a couple of weeks ago, just sitting out there, it was right before the humidity came, you know what I'm talking about. And I love to just feel the sun. It wasn't hot yet. It was that perfect 70 degree where you could just feel the heat of the sun and it just, it does something to you. Imagine if that warm Linus blanket is taken away from mankind. What is that going to do to people? Not only that, what happens when the, blood, uh, when the moon turns to blood? Now, listen, we, we live in an amazing area, Myrtle Beach, and we have this opportunity to, to go to the beach and watch the, the moon come up, and every once in a while it'll be different colors because of what's in the atmosphere at the time. But it's never been red. Yes? Shades of whatever. But imagine when it's truly red. What is that going to do for you? What is that going to do to the people who are living here? Not only that, verse 13, the stars of heaven. Now, before people start thinking, see, the Bible, it's just not accurate because there's no way a star could come from, you know, way far out and come over here. Eh, this word means anything that's illuminated in, our, in our, the next level in outer space. That means not only moons, planets, but there's something called a, starts with an M, meteors. We have, we have close, our government tracks now, and they've been tracking it for a while, those objects that come into a near-Earth orbit, they say. And some of them are the size of Texas. So you can imagine now these objects starting to come in to planet Earth. And again, you know why I think Hollywood is fascinating? Because they've already done all the work before. All of the movies have been out. All of the, not only Star Wars, Star Trek, getting people ready for life, you know, this whole UFO thing, but we've had tons of movies about meteors coming to crash on planet Earth, and we humans are going to knock them away with a nuclear weapon. That's the dumbest thing ever. But these things are going to start coming in, and what does, that, what does that look like when it hits? You ever been out to the crater in Arizona? <clears throat> There's a crater as you're driving on Highway 40. It's in the middle of nowhere, but you can kind of see this little blip in the distance there. <clears throat> and if you go to the Grand Canyon, it's kind of outside of that a little ways. Go to it. It's pretty fascinating. It's a hole in the ground made by a meteor that wasn't very big. And if a little tiny little rock can do something that I think it's a half a mile across. What do you think that's going to do when those start slamming into major cities, slamming into the ocean, causing tsunamis to happen? What is that going to do? <clears throat> uh, the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs and was shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky recedes as a scroll when it is rolled up. What does that mean? No idea. No idea at all. Could it be thermonuclear devices going off? Don't know. A lot of people think that. But again, we're not here. Every mountain and every island <clears throat> was moved out of its place. Again, the landscape, what people know and trust. I mean, 
if you're in California, you know Mount Whitney, um, Shasta Mountain. If you're in Oregon, Mount Hood, right? In Washington, you know Mount St. Mount St. Helens, right? You know Mount Rainier. You you know in Japan, what do they have? Mount Fuji. These these are things that people know. Now imagine those things that they knew are all gone. What is it going to do? Is it going to explode? Could very well be. Because as these earthquakes are happening on planet Earth, it's allowing the tectonic plates to move and allow magma to come up. And where all those huge mountains are, are going to be probably some activity, as well as that giant volcano in the center of our country called Yellowstone could very well be just complete. If you don't know what that is, man, secular guys, Discovery Channel, they don't know anything about Jesus. They've done studies. They're saying that is a huge event. Well, right here. It's going to change the landscape of planet Earth. What's the result of all that? Verse 15. And the kings of the earth, that means the presidents, the prime ministers, Putkin himself, right? The chairman of the Communist Party in China. All of the, the leaders around the world. Great men. These would be people, I don't think they're great, it's just what it is. Big tech people. Billionaires, they're coming. The rich. Commanders, generals of all the armies. The mighty men. But I would add in here Hollywood who people esteem. I don't. I don't know why that person has a voice at all. You, you're, you made a movie. You know what my favorite thing is? This is just a side note. This is free. Is when an actor makes a movie and then the congressman brings him before the Congress and to give testimony on a, a role he did in a movie <laughs> like he's an expert. That's funny to me. That's free. And so what do they do? Oh, by the way, every slave and every free man. So just to round it up, everybody. And what's interesting is, remember on the first four seals that all the judgment, it said leave the wine and the oil. So it seemed that the rich people were able to escape much of the first four seals, which that's what happens when you're rich. Uh, I know during COVID, a lot of people who are rich had zero problems. Not only getting toilet paper, how unfair. <laughs> and anything they've ever wanted, because that's what money will do. Money will keep you out of jail, and it will give you whatever you want on your table. But now, it affects everybody. Why? Because now it's the hand of God. Do you see the difference between the hand of man, and now it's the hand of God? And now, God is going to get everybody's attention, not just the people in the first four, the poor, or the average citizen. And so now they say, hide, <laughs> they hide themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and be like, good looking, finding one mountain left. But whatever it is, they're going to find something and hide in the rocks of the mountain, and they're going to say to the mountains and the rocks, listen to what the people say. Fall on us, that means kill us, you got that? Take us out and hide us from the face of him 
who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Two different statements from him who sits on the throne, the Father, and the one who is pouring it out, the wrath of the Lamb. Now, you, you, this, listen to that statement, the wrath of the Lamb. How many people look at a lamb and get terrified? Wouldn't it be better the, the lion of the tribe of Judah? But what does this simple statement mean? They know that Jesus Christ died for everybody. By this time, it is very clear, the gospel message has been proclaimed. Every, every, everybody on planet Earth knows where this is coming from. Remember, they don't say this on the first four. They say this after the sixth seal because now it is God. And when it is God's judgment being poured upon this world, you know it. There is no doubt in the world because man can't make the sun go black. Man can't make the, the moon go red. And man, although he tries to make giant earthquakes with nuclear weapons under the ground, he can't make the entire planet do that. And so people realize that this comes from God. And notice, for the great day of his wrath has come, who is able to stand? What is very sad in this scene is that they are not repenting. They have hardened their heart like Pharaoh. Who is God that we should worship him and bow down to him? He knew exactly where it was coming from. Mo came in 10 times and said, this is a judgment from God. This is a judgment from God. Pharaoh knew where it was coming from, and everyone else on planet Earth knows who it's coming from. And yet, the hardness of man's heart. How hard has your heart got to be when you see things that are mentioned in the sixth seal, and you go, I'd rather have death than God. I'd rather have anything else than surrender my life to Jesus Christ. How hard do you have to be? Do you know people like that today? They're so hard, they see what God has done in your own life, and they discount that, and they said, I'll, I'd rather have whatever I have, but I don't want God. I don't... <laughs> what did the Jews say to Moses when he when he first came and then it got real hard, he said, we don't want this guy, we don't want this guy ruling over us. Uh, did you come to rule over us? Or Moses, did you come to kill us like you killed that Egyptian in the sand? They didn't want Moses in the beginning either. And they certainly don't want God now. The book of Revelation, again, discredits those who teach that God is so loving and kind that he would never judge people have not received his son in Jesus Christ. Have you heard that? God is all loving. Oh, he is. But read this book. Though the modern mind is reluctant to accept the fact that God will judge the wicked, the Bible clearly teaches that he does and he will. This is the problem with the modern church not going through the entire Bible, not seeing the entire picture of God and who he is. He is all loving and all powerful, but he is also a just God, and he cannot allow what man has done to continue. The scripture reveals a God of love, but it also reveals a God of wrath, who will deal with those 
who have rejected the grace of God. Again, this chapter teaches us that the inevitable judgment will come upon those who did not accept Christ in faith. Powerful chapter. Read ahead next week. We're going to see our 144,000 Jews sealed by God. Read ahead chapter 7. Lord willing for next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. For your word, Lord, and we know that it will come to pass. We know that this world is about to be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that people trust in will be removed. We pray, Lord, that people would come to a saving knowledge of you before they get to this hardness of their heart, where they shake their fist at God. We will not have this man rule over us. So, Lord, we thank you for the body of Christ. We pray for the peace and the safety of Israel, that you continue to protect them, and that you would grant peace to your people. And we know that is to come, Lord. So thank you again, Lord, for this beautiful day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.